Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 15 of the Avocado Games Cast, the Avocado's gaming podcast. I'm Merv, and today we're going to talk about hidden gems in gaming. Not literal hidden gems. I realize it might be confusing since we're talking about video games. In any case, what we'll actually be discussing are really good under-the-radar games that you might have missed. But before we get to that, it's time to meet the rest of the crew. First up, he bought 80 kilos of gelatin for his Koro Sensei cosplay. It's Ben. Good morning, everyone. He has a pill-shaped body, two huge googly eyes, and permanent jaundice. It's the Radio Cat. Hello, hello. And finally, he thinks pacifist runs are for suckers, losers, and commies. It's the Kappa. <laughs> hey, what's up? How are you guys all doing? Good. Been all real right. busy at work the past couple weeks, so it's good to finally get back. Yeah, it's good to unwind with some, some game talk. Yeah. Um, so, what have you guys been playing recently? Ben, what have you been playing? I have mainly been playing a lot of Street Fighter V, but that's not very interesting to talk about. So, instead I'm going to talk about this weird little RPG. I've been playing Earthlock Festival of Magic. Has anyone heard of that? Mm-mm. No, it no. sounds like you just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> It is one of the free games I got on Games with Gold for Xbox One, so I never had heard of it before and figured to see if I got let's give it a shot. Um, it's like this weird little like JRPG, except not Japanese; it's Norwegian. Um, but it's just really kind of interesting. It's um, so it. Sorry, I've got a cat on me. Um, <laughs> like so, it's the typical story like you're this kid and you have this ancient artifact and your uncle goes so like really typical bullshit and everything's right but it's got all these like really weird little systems that i've never really seen in the jrpg before like um you know how in most jrpgs you can choose which character you're walking around as like you select which characters in the first position in their yeah. on screen so it's got that in it except each character has a different ability in the overworld map that you need to use to solve puzzles. Mm. So you actually need to swap between... Like, you have, like, the mage who's, like, the little kid, kind of like your, like, VV from Final Fantasy IX or something like that. But you get up to places where there's, like, something has fallen over and it's a little gap and you have to play as him because he's the only one that can fit through it. Or the thief dude has, like, this magical bracelet which can like manipulate energy which you need to use to solve puzzles so you need to swap to him as like your first character and everything so is it a little bit like dragon age and that rogues are the only uh are the only characters who can pick locks or uh mages are the only characters who can dispel magical barriers and stuff like and something like that yeah except because it's the jrpg and you only have one character on screen at once oh okay yeah you know um breath of fire did that i don't know if you guys ever played breath of fire yeah but like, so like, there was like a character that was like a fox that was the only one that could walk through the forest, and there was like another character that could walk through mountains, and it but like basically get, unlocking that character unlocked new areas. Um, so that was kind of their way of like keeping stuff, you know, like That's... I guess quartered off yeah, until so you were high enough level to get to it. Kind of more like a Zelda game where you have to get the object to get to the yeah, the boomerang area. or whatever, right? Oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I should probably play one of those games one day. Um, it's also got the, you know, the um, kind of like shit. I guess the Tales games have them, where you see like the monsters on overworld on the overworld map, and they run after you, and then you actually go into a battle. Yeah. Yeah, except it's got um, 
so it has all these bonuses you get for defeating enemies and everything, right? Which kind of encourages you to, which is something I do in the Tales games anyway, just because it makes things faster, where you kind of aggro like four or five groups of enemies at once and get them all into battle at once. So you fight like bigger groups of enemies and then you get bonuses for like if the group of monsters you're fighting is bigger than your party or all that kind of stuff. So it's just got a bunch of these like really weird little systems that I've never seen in a JRPG that make it pretty fun. And yeah, if you're bored, maybe check it out. What was the name of that game again? Earthlock Festival of Magic. Earthlock <laughs> Festival of Magic. Okay, it sounds interesting. Um, intriguing. Might check it out. Is it available on platforms other than just the Xbox? Or uh, I'm looking now. It is on Xbox, Windows, PlayStation, and Wii U uh, coming soon, apparently. Oh, wow. Didn't know they're still making things for the Wii U. <laughs> I don't think apparently Nintendo does either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Kappa. What have you been playing? Uh, I mean, I, I, there's a couple of different ones I wanted to talk about today, but I'm going to go with Watch Dogs too. Um, I'm wow. really enjoying it. I, I didn't expect to. I w- I was okay on Watch Dogs one. I mean, I got a lot of the hate that it got. I, it wasn't surprising. It wasn't the best game, but um, it's so crazy just how a little change in tone has really made the whole game feel different. Um, it's very. It's like the shift. Remember when Saints Row went from Grand Theft Auto clone to kind of just, you know, okay, we're going to just do all this stuff but goofier? That's what this game has. I mean, in a lot of the cutscenes and a lot of the story, there's a lot of still that, you know, I don't know how to try how to describe it. You know how Ubi kind of does some of those hand wringing times where, like, oh, are we the good guys or the bad guys or this character that basically just seems like he's going to die the entire game is the one who dies and. Um, there's a lot of that, but the general gameplay and more, you know, world play is still the same from Watch Dogs. It's just the tone itself is more, you know, a bunch of hacker kids doing hacker things, running around being zero cool from the hackers movie. Basically, um, it, it changes a lot of the way the game itself feels like you're these upstart kids going against these evil corporations who are, you know, basically Google and Facebook and those sorts of companies and exposing their evil to the world. Um, it, it feels a lot, a lot more, I don't know how to describe it. Like, like chaotic, like you're going out and you're causing all this chaos, which is, I think what watchdogs one promised, but never really delivered. But when you get to a mission now, instead of just, okay, you hack this camera, then go to this camera, then hack this wall, this wall opens, you sneak in. This one's more like, there's so many more things you can do. And it, and it does kind of feed into that whole idea of like hacking being this crazy force, almost like magic in, in an RPG would be. Yeah. Um, so like whenever you get to an area and you need to get in there and get the treasure chest or whatever, um, you know, you can explode a car or, or not explode, or you can drive a car through the middle of the bad guys and you can call the police on, on a guy and the police will show up and arrest them. And it, there's a lot more going on there than just, um, watchdogs one, which just kind of felt like hacking was a, a gimmick on top of a shooter. This one, I, I mean, yeah, there's been times when I have pulled out my guns, but you can almost do everything just through hacking. Um, which I think is is a good shift for the the game. Yeah, I've heard there are a lot more pacifist options. You can play the game like completely non-lethal. Yeah, you can. Yeah, both of you are right. (laughs) Yeah, you you. I don't know about completely. So yeah, you can you can play it non-lethal. I would say that the non-lethal stuff is kind of like you know how when you play Batman, like it's non-lethal even though you just put a guy's nose into his brain. (laughs) He's still still on the ground (laughs) sleeping. Yeah, it's got a lot of that going. 
yeah, it's got a lot of that going on. Like, yeah, that guy's probably dead, but you know, for all intents and purposes, there's no there's no score difference between whether you kill the guys or, or whatever. So, um, if it just helps your own head cannon, yeah, you can play it all as non lethal. But a lot of those guys probably ain't getting up when you drop the you know electrical generator on top of their head, even though it says Z's next to them. Yeah, <laughs> they're like actual Zs going out of their heads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it, it's it's a fun game. They I, they added like um, I can't remember if Watch Dogs one had this or not, but they add kind of like a hacker view, like uh, like again like Batman Detective Mode, where you can basically see items that are further out than what's just in your regular field of view. Um, the driving and the shooting and everything feels very polished. It's a good open world game, um, even if you just want to run around and do Grand Theft Auto type things of robbing people and shooting things and stuff like that. Um, so have you, you've been playing it on PC, I'm guessing. PS4. Oh, uh, PS4. Okay. Yeah, I, I actually I, I got pretty lucky when I bought Final Fantasy 15. They had a buy two get one. And this was like last month when both these games just came out. So uh, I bought Final Fantasy and Watch Dogs and picked up. I, can't remember, I think I have Mortal Kombat XL, the complete one. So nice. Yeah, finally spent some money at GameStop. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that if if you hated Watch Dogs one, just completely hated, you're probably not going to be sold on this game. If you're kind of on the fence about Watch Dogs 1 and just hated how boring Aiden was, this one fixes a lot of those problems. This game goes, I mean, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but this game goes almost over the top in diversity. There's trans characters. It takes place in San Francisco. It's very clearly an openly gay city. Um, it, it does not do a lot of stuff where, where you feel like it, it's as white bread, you know, middle America as Aiden was in Chicago. Um, very, very, very diverse game. I'm surprised I hadn't heard more about that part of the game. You know, mostly what I would assume would have been people, you know, talking about it. Yeah. Being negative about it. But no, I mean, it's a very, 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 um, diverse game. So that's something like, um, the Assassin's Creed two watchdogs. Yeah. It basically is like, I, I feel like they saw that watchdogs was a successful formula. They just didn't know how to put it into a game. And it kind of feels like, oh, okay, we've got to gamify, you know, a lot of this. It doesn't need to be super serious and super, you know, Aiden versus the world grim darkness. Aiden does pop up in this one, and it's almost it's almost comical the, the difference between him and Marcus. Marcus is your main character, um, it, or he goes by Retro uh, in, in Watch Dogs too. But he, the 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 differences between those two is just glaring. When you see Aiden with his dumb coat and hat, you're like, okay, yeah, his I, iconic I, cap. You mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> iconic, iconic. Um, yeah, so I, I was, I don't know. Like I said, if you hated it, you're probably not going to be sold. If you like the idea of kind of messing around with, almost like I, I mean, I, I keep going back to this, but almost like present day magic is what hacking is portrayed like in that game. You know, the stuff that you can do. Um, I, I would really say check it out. There's a lot of puzzles and stuff too uh, that surprised me. A lot of like weird, you know, when you hack this thing, uh, mini games and there's quadrocopters and rotary copters and all this other stuff. So yeah, there's, so, there's a lot to do. I'm kind of chomping my way through the story. Um, are the puzzles but, similar to the tower puzzles from the first game? I can't remember. Um, is it like, you know what it's like? It's like, remember the Bioshock one where you had to flow the water? Oh, it's like Pipe Dream. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Um, so it, th- those are pretty, those are pretty fun because you're, you're hacking nodes and stuff. Um, I, I enjoy it. They, um, the drop in, drop out multiplayer is really good. And I'll, I'll just say this, you can opt out of the PVP ones and just see the co-op ones. So you don't have to have the people invading you anymore if you don't want to do that. 
um, or you don't have to do, I think this is new, it's called Bounty Hunt. So if someone gets three stars, think about like GTA when you get three stars, like you're at the level where the cops show up with helicopters and SWAT teams and stuff like that. Yeah. You can drop into somebody's game and try to kill them like for Bounty Hunt points. So now that now there's basically like all these PvP caught modes, but you can opt out of those and just do ones where like a mission shows up and you and a partner need to hack a terminal at the same time or stuff like that. It's it, almost it's, like it's turned into Dark Souls multiplayer. Yeah, it is. It, the, if you have that competitive on, you're getting invaded a lot. Like I was probably invaded when I had that on. I was probably invaded just while I was open worlding. It, it turns it off while you're on mission, of course. But when I was just roaming around open world. I was getting invaded probably every 10, 15 minutes. Um, I know it's a newer game, but I mean, I was just kind of like, man, this is getting annoying. <laughs> um, so you can ignore it. I mean, it doesn't penalize you at all. If you get hacked, you don't lose anything. So I was actually in a game where I was just hacking a guy and a guy just sit, uh, just stood there and started dancing because he doesn't lose anything. You know, and if I hack him, <laughs> in, you know, so I thought it was kind of funny. Like, I guess that's how he deals with it. But so I hacked him, just, you know, waved to him and walked away. But um, yeah, the, the multiplayer is there and it's in a smart way that I, I, I really like that you can turn that off, that PVP aspect of it off. And then all you're doing is seeing people who are like basically needing help on missions or there's all these other side co-op missions that you can sign up for um, through the everything in the menu is done through like a phone. I mean, you know, uh, trying it's to like the, the first aesthetic. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, you just go to your phone, you just select co-op missions, and, and you can drop people in, drop people out, stuff like that. So um, I'm Sounds not really saying it's, it's perfect. I know Ubi right now, you know, getting a lot of hate for various, various reasons. But it seems to me like they, they made some good steps in this one. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, after the first Watch Dogs was kind of disappointing, I think mainly, mainly for narrative reasons rather than gameplay mm-hmm. reasons. It's good to see they've addressed both the narrative and gameplay concerns that I, that I had with it. Um, Radio Cat, what have you been playing? Uh, that's kind of a big question. Uh, I have been, uh, I want to talk about Stardew Valley, which I just started playing, uh, within the last day or two, but I played through, um, Resident Evil Biohazard. I just finished the other day. Uh, the seventh Um, one that just came out? Um, I finished it. And it was awesome. I loved it a lot. I, it, I'm trying to think. Uh, Resident Evil 4 was the last one I finished. Um, just because I tried both 5 and 6 and I couldn't keep up with them. Like, Yeah, they basically just, became third-person shooters, right? Yeah, it, I don't know. It was just like wasn't my style. And then I heard a lot of positive buzz for this, so I picked it up. And I was pretty blown away. I have not been like I don't play a lot of scary games, and it was very, very spooky. We're, we're talking Resident Evil Seven. Yeah. Okay. Uh, were you playing it regular or on VR? I just just gonna ask. Uh, regular. Yeah. Okay. I like was tempted even to get the VR, but I was like, I can't justify. Yeah, it's uh, almost a thousand bucks to to but but I've been seeing some people videos of people playing it in VR and it looks pretty terrifying as far as those types of games go. Um, yeah, 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 I'd be scared I out of my mind. <laughs> like I was super scared just on my own, and I can't even imagine in VR. Like because I um I've had the chance to play Alien Isolation in VR, mm-hmm. and that that alone was so scary. Like. And this game, I feel like, takes elements from um, 
alien isolation or that kind of like there's something stalking you that's not necessarily scripted. Um, that's cool. And I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Usually yes. when I think of Resident Evil being scary, I think more of jump scares. And I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of get to the point where, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't like them, like, on a, on, a, on a level that I just hate when they happen. So I kind of always just wish I could opt out of that. But it sounds like they're doing more of the – if they're doing the alien style, it's more that brooding or, you know, that dread feeling. Yeah, they do a good job of balancing the um, jump scares with like just there's a constant sense of dread because the way that they like make the levels and stuff and like enemies will just spawn and stalk you and you just kind of like got to decide, oh, I can't kill this. So I got to sneak around them and stuff. Um, They do a good job of like balancing the helplessness with it. I think so. So how does the the first terrifying and i never want to play it (laughs) so what i wanted to ask is how does the first person perspective make it feel different compared to the other resident evil games which are all in third person or have the fixed camera angles yeah i mean i'm i'm still honestly somewhat new to the resident evil like genre or series i only started playing those games a couple years back but um it definitely like increases the jumpiness because it's like there's they do a really good job with the sound design of like oh there's pipes rattling and stuff and some of it has nothing to do with enemies but it still happens so you're like looking around it's like oh my god where did that come from like what do i do and it um it definitely like keeps you on edge because you only see what's in front of you and if you walk through a door and then all of a sudden the door slams shut behind you you're like what closed that like what the fuck is going on was that monster was that a monster or was that the wind right exactly that sounds very cool yeah it's a really neat it sounds like a really neat uh entry in the franchise especially one that had stagnated like last year didn't they released uh umbrella core yeah they released everybody hated that game there's been a lot of real misses with with resident evil lately yeah Yeah. i've heard i've heard revelations is great but i haven't touched any of those i haven't played one since five so i'm probably not the right person to talk to about it i i don't know i i go all over the place on resident evil um you know, I, I feel like the scariest part of one that people tend to neglect talking about is how bad the controls were. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, tank more, controls, right? I had more deaths in that game due to the way the controls were than anything, I feel like. Some people yeah. swear by tank controls, but I just don't get it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I know they got better, I'm, I'm sure, but I, I tried 5 because I had a friend who was crazy for it um, and was looking for a co-op partner, and then I just I could never get into it. 5 is the one that people that say is racist, right? Yeah, the one that takes yeah. place in Africa. Yeah. I played the yeah. demo for 5 and just a repeat of one of the stages from 4, like identical, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm done with this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems like they really took their time with this one and made it something well-crafted as opposed to the kind of garbage they shot out with Raccoon City or Umbrella Core. Yeah, there's a lot of good attention to detail, and the story actually takes some really interesting turns that I was not expecting at all. Um, it's it's I'm definitely gonna try and go back at some point, especially because I know like the hardcore mode that you unlock from beating normal 
Um, they uh, reposition enemies and stuff too, so that it like is still kind of you got to be on edge. You can't like automatically assume uh, passwords and stuff because they change them in between difficulty oh, levels. Yeah, it's a nice way to add replay value to a game mm-hmm. for sure. Exactly. And apparently you can finish the game in under four hours compared to like my first playthrough was maybe a little over uh, 10 hours. Mm. Oh, yeah. Once you know where to go, you can sort of semi speed run it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I, with that time, at least it sounds like they're not throwing in all those crazy bosses that I think was kind of becoming a weird hallmark for some reason. I don't think anybody was asking for that. But remember, I don't know if you around the time of five, they were throwing in these bosses that were taking like hours to kill. Um, and yeah, I'm glad to hear that. At least they're getting away from that. Yeah, there's there's a couple bosses. And that's actually one of my main issues probably with the game is the bosses are kind of bullet sponges in that, too. They don't really explain, like, um, or it's not very clear all the time how you're, like, if you're actually damaging them or if you're just, like, holding them off or if there's some sort of, like, uh, thing you need to be doing specifically to finish the event or whatever because a lot of times some of the bosses you can't technically, quote-unquote, kill. Was, was, oh, yeah. Is this a reboot or... No, it's a it's a side story, um, okay. t- kind of, I guess. Uh, I I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Resident Evil chronology, but um, I know that it takes place in the same universe, and it just uh, loosely relates to uh, some of the things that have happened in other games. But it's not a reboot. All right, that sounds sounds like it's a, an interesting game for sure. Um, so let me just share. Before we move on, let me just share what I've been playing recently. Um, so this just came in the mail for me on Friday, and or sorry, on Thursday. Just opened it up, played some yesterday. Uh, Yakuza Zero. Actually, hmm. saying that I've played it is a little bit of a uh, a little bit misleading. I've mostly just watched it because <laughs> it's a Yakuza game. It's about eighty five percent cutscenes. They're good cutscenes, mind you, but I don't really have a feel for it yet because I've mainly just been watching one of the main characters going around and talking to people. Um, So to give a bit of background on it, Yakuza 0 is an entry in the long-running Yakuza series. It's a prequel. Right now they're up to Yakuza 5. I think Yakuza 6 just came out in Japan. Uh, It's coming west next year. In any case... um, it's a prequel, so it doesn't require any knowledge of the previous entries in the series to play. I've never played any, any Yakuza games before, so this is all brand new to me. So far, all I've done is beat up a bunch of of, uh, of thugs and talk to a bunch of mob people. Um, I will say two things about the game, though. It's very... It does a very good job of, of uh, placing you in the era and place where it, uh, where it occurs. It's set in late 1980s Japan, specifically a fictional red light district in Tokyo. And I think they've done a really good job of capturing sort of the feel of uh, of that time period with lots of bright so lights. your intimate knowledge of red light districts in Tokyo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I looked up some photos and stuff and saw that they, they'd sort of they, – they'd paid attention to detail. Um, <laughs> but, I mean – Beyond beyond what I know or don't know intimately, 
uh, one thing that they do a good job of capturing is at at that time before the mid nineties stagnation of the Japanese economy hit uh, in the eighties, at least Japan was an ascending economy and they sort of, they do a really good job of capturing that, that optimism and the decadence that underlies it. Uh, I think, um, the other thing I'll say about it is that the game is really goofy at times. There are a lot of really weird, quirky characters and a lot of bizarre things that have already happened. Only, I think I'm only three hours into the game so far. A lot of bizarre things already happened. Uh, like the main character's solution for resolving a fight between two drunk people is to beat both of them up. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Yakuza. <laughs> yeah, they're, I'm apparently... surprised they don't have you play like a pachinko game for for <laughs> to resolve the dispute. <laughs> what they did have me do was play a karaoke game. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I was so so bad at it, like. I mean, I'm not great at rhythm games, but usually I've played rhythm games like on, on the PC and like you're you're pressing arrow keys or wasties or whatever. Um face button rhythm games, yeah. I'm still not good at them in yeah. any way, shape, or form. So like I, I went through the karaoke section, the mandatory karaoke section that I had to do. At the end it shows me a report card and it shows me that I'm tone deaf. <laughs> <laughs> Because I I made so many mistakes. I think I made, uh, I think like thirty percent of of uh, my button presses were mistakes. It was that bad. Um, it was a really hard karaoke level to throw in right at the beginning. And you're gonna <laughs> yeah. need to train on this. I think the only one I've ever really was... expecting for the difficulty jumps is it the oh god it's the karaoke stage. <laughs> yeah, because I'm playing it on easy, so the brawling part <laughs> is super is like super simple. Uh, I've I've played enough of Yakuza to know that once you get to those like mini games, that's where the real difficulty in those games are. Um, yeah, I, I what was the one that was kind of like weirdly popular? Was it three? Yeah, like, three and four were the big side? ones. Yeah. I um I I just remember like I wasn't kidding about like like there would be like gang disputes that were like basically formed around like uh what is what is that game like is it pachinko? Pachinko is the gambling thing they have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was, like, a big part of the game. Like, it wasn't, like, a, a side portion of the game. Like, it was really well done in that game. Um, but, <laughs> I yeah. The first one, which I actually just started playing the other week. Has anyone played that? The first first Yakuza? No, they're currently yeah. remaking it, and I think they're going to release it this summer, I want to say. The thing that trips me out about that game is it's dubbed in English. And it's, like, got these really, really good voice actors. It's got, like, Mark Hamill, Michael Madsen, like, uh, John DiMaggio, like, all these really famous popular voice actors and everything. But they've got the really, really shitty translation where everyone's all, like, saying, like, all the honorifics and using weird <laughs> random Japanese words. So you've got, like, the Joker going, ah, Kazuma-san. <laughs> fucking weird. I, I don't mind when they translate with the with the honorifics. Like Persona doesn't. I think it fits, but maybe it's because it's more of a school setting, so it feel it, it feels natural. Uh, whereas out in the real world, you, um, you know the Japanese word for Big Brother Anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, like they just randomly swap between either calling me Big Brother or calling me Anarchy, but in English. Oh, <laughs> really weird. Yeah, that might that might be a little bizarre. I think 
I mean, I think it was translated at a time when they didn't pay as much attention to localization. And nowadays you don't see that many of those weird mistakes, but, um, like it yeah. Be as weird if they didn't have like all these really famous popular voice actors doing it. Yeah. If you have sort of like the low rent, uh, the low rent non-union people, then I guess it's, it's like to be expected. Yeah, normal like Japanese dub voice actors and everything then yeah but when you've got like Mark Hamill and Michael Madsen and Michael Rosenbaum is in it and Eliza Dushku and like all oh, these wow. like, yeah. 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 Just, like, what the fuck is this <laughs> sometimes I wonder why they throw Hollywood talent at that though like well, sometimes Michael you're... Rosenbaum and Eliza Dushku are both voice actors as well okay yeah, I know. I know. Like Mark Hamill and, and Michael Rosenbaum are, because I know Michael Rosenbaum did did uh, Wally West in Flash. Justice League, right? Which is the best Flash, and I don't care what you say. <laughs> There's been a weird kind of move, though. If you look at like, I guess who we would consider kind of like those early 2000s starlets that we all probably remember. There's been a weird move for them into voice acting. Um, I just kind of like as an aside, not a video game, but you guys remember Ashley Tisdale? Like yes. she was kind of like a kid girl for a long. Yeah. Now she she does voices on Phineas and Ferb. I heard I was, my kid was watching. And I was like, that voice is familiar. I looked it up as Ashley Tisdale. So I mean, like there's that's been a, yeah, a yeah. thing for a while. I guess when those kind of well, um, roles Eliza dry up. Is uh, Shondi in Saints Row? Mm-hmm. Is oh, she is she original Shondi or like Stoner Shondi uh, or Saints Row Two Shondi? Saints Row Three Shondi. Saints Row Two Shondi. I. Don't think they had anyone of any repute in Saints Row One. <laughs> okay, yeah, because it's like it's like Saints Row the Third Shandy is different from Saints Row Two Shandy, right? Oh, is oh she? no, she wasn't in Saints Row One, was she? Shandy only shows up in Saints Row Two. Yeah, Saints so talking about I... yeah, there's Saints Row Two where there's like Stoner Shandy, and Saints Row the Third where there's like uh, I guess Well, yeah. I I know um, Eliza Dushku had that very famous bomb of a game called wet do you guys remember that one? Oh yeah I you I could probably this game is awesome <laughs> you could probably get it for about 99 cents right now anywhere you go it was a weird game um it was basically a, a movie that she starred in that was a game that was very really weird the problem i have with wet is that there was no final boss fight and that was a quick time event but other than that i think the slow-mo shooting and shit in that game was awesome and everyone should be nice to that game <laughs> alan cumming was in that game too yeah i i just looked this up this game looks bonkers like it is. this is crazy <laughs> wet is notable for being the... <laughs> wet is notable for being i believe the only game that be bethesda has has published that has like an obligate female protagonist, like where you can't choose the gender or you're not forced to be male huh. or you're forced to be a female protagonist. Huh. I think that's the only game Bethesda has ever published uh, with that. Uh, but yeah, I've heard it's I've heard it's a really bizarre game that was not received very well. It was it's weird. I I don't know how to. There's not much else like it, and I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's not very um, Max Payne like, but with yeah. Oh, by the way, just look this up. Uh, Sean is played by uh, Eliza Dushku in Saints Row 2, and in subsequent Saints Row games, played by Danielle Nicolette. Huh. Yeah, so they went from stoner Shandi to normal Shandi. Yeah, when she became the pop princess or whatever in 3, right? 
Was she a pop princess? No, you, oh god, I, I forget the like, plots of those games. Yeah. In 3, wasn't your, like, <laughs> hardcore militant who wanted to shoot everyone? Sorry, in... who wanted to shoot everybody? Shaundi in Saints Row 3, she's, like, really, really, like, into shooting and violence. <laughs> I just remember her being, like, she was almost like a, like a Britney Spears type, right? I'm gonna have to look this up now because it's driving God, me crazy. I forget. I forget what happened in the Saints Row games. They're just yeah, kind they, of a, I think a blur they, to me. It's not like there's she really a. Really famous everything, but she was like, kind of like really like militant about the saints and all that kind of stuff, and like wanting to build them up as a powerful thing. And she was always the one that's like, "Let's go in guns first and all that kind of shit. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, because they start making jokes about all the different Shondies in Saints Row Four, where they yeah. have. The three different ones that keep showing up. Four okay. is the only one I really played. I dabbled with the first couple, but four is the only one I ever like did to put in, you know, a good amount of time into. I've only played two and three. Never played one or four. I mean, one isn't cross cross platform anyway, so I'm I've never going to end up playing it. For about an hour and then stopped because that game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I played yeah. 2, 3, 4, and Get Out of Hell, because I love those games, but 1 is not worth your time. I've heard 1 is basically just a shitty GTA. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's really rough. That's being generous. And it's like they copied the terrible aiming, which is... Ugh. Oh, GTA has... GTA... I know I I kind of bag on GTA a lot, but there's no reason for a game that otherwise well-polished and that otherwise well-made mm-hmm. to have controls as poor as it does it control it, like i could not make it through gta 5 on on ps3 because i just really? could not control i could not drive the planes properly i couldn't aim properly and it's not like other games have got aiming right i can play uncharted on on playstation and i can aim just fine but gta just feels so loose for some reason i i know like controls and different people find different control schemes uh palatable or not palatable or, or easy to work with and I'm just not compatible with whatever GTA wants me to do controls wise mm-hmm. um, yeah so that's what we've been playing lately um, let's move on to the main topic of discussion for this podcast uh, as you mentioned in the intro we're going to be talking about hidden gems which are games that we really liked but went under the radar for whatever reason or didn't receive widespread recognition um, there are a lot of games like this, like especially a lot of indie games that tend to, uh, that, you know, you might pick up in a steam sale or see, or, uh, make it an impulse purchase of, and you try to get your other friends into them and they're like, yeah, maybe one day I'll play that, but they never do. So uh-huh. here's our chance to get our listeners to play a bunch of games that we really liked that they've never heard of. <laughs> um, so Ben, do you have any examples of uh, of hidden gems that you want to share with the rest of us that you might get us to play one day? I do have a couple. Um, it's almost like I've prepared for this or something. I, so, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> one of the first ones I have is actually, let's see if anyone knows this. What was the highest rated Xbox One exclusive last year on Metacritic? Xbox One exclusive? I almost said yeah. Mac, and then I realized that was a PS4 game. I was going to guess maybe Overdrive. <laughs> that was from a couple from years ago. Now, from 2016. Oh, was that oh. Forza game? It was through. 
Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, is that the is um, that the game with the is that the Connect game where you have to use yourself as a platform? Yes, yeah. and it's amazing. What? Like <laughs> if if this is what Connect games had been when the Connect came out, the Connect would have been a success. Yeah, it was very very inspired uh what they did with it. I I played it for a little bit and it was very fun. Um if anyone hasn't seen it, actually, has anyone not seen it? Or I should probably explain it to anyone. I, I, have, anyway. I haven't seen it. All right, okay, All right please describe it. You know the two world shifting mechanic from, like, Guacamole? Yeah. It's basically yeah. that, but the second world is projected onto the screen through your silhouette. So, like, there's one set of stages, right, where you're walking through the stage, except where your silhouette is projected on screen it's like an underwater stage and you can like swim through your silhouette to get like over like obstacles and everything. And it's so weird and so much fun. Like you're having to like, cause it does this really smart thing where you can either control with each, with the left or the right stick, both uh, your movement left and right. And then each trigger is jump. So you can control it completely one handed, like with either hand. Um, so, because you're needing to, like, make all these weird poses and kind of, like, move your hand under and, like, lift yourself up occasionally, and it's unlike anything I've ever played, and just so much fun. I assume it's also good for co-op, like, one person makes a stage as the other person does the controller. Yeah, that's totally, I've had my wife come in and, like, hold out a pillow to, like, project that as the silhouette, so I can, like, go through that as well, and... Because it ends up being things like there are um, buttons on the stage that you have to press with your hand, like with your silhouette, to like make other platforms go. And sometimes there'll be like four buttons, so you have to like stretching your leg out and standing on one foot, and you look like a complete idiot, but it's really fun. Yeah, the the person who's doing the platforms, like making the platforms, ends up basically playing Twister, while the other person's, you know, more or less just playing a video game. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it yeah, sounds like it'd be a really fun time. It's yeah, it's really really simple, but it's really really fun. Um, the yeah, I like game. Had... Sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I was gonna say I like games that take a really simple mechanic and then build on it in interesting ways, rather than games that have these really complicated mechanics and then don't build on them very much. I think building on a really simple idea uh, like this game does is is a really that neat way to build a game. I thought was really good because it's like when you start off, it's like the very, very simple mechanic. Like basically um, some places where your body is, the platforms will be there. Some places they won't. But then as you go through the, like each successive, like Mario style world, like so group of levels or whatever, you, it will introduce a new thing that happens with your silhouette. So then the second one is your silhouette is always underwater and there are like big spike, like monster things in your silhouette, but not outside of your silhouette. So you'll have to like, put your arm that you swim up to and then kind of like jump out of your silhouette to get over the spike things and then the third world gets up to where you start pressing buttons with your silhouette and i couldn't beat that one because i'm not flexible enough so i don't know where it goes from there (laughs) it was sounds like co-op is in your future (laughs) Uh, so what's the other game that you wanted to talk about that game is that i like fell over into the wall a couple of times playing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 
other game I wanted to talk about is, um, has anyone heard of the game Heart and Slash? No. No, Hearts, is, um, Heart and Slash. No, I haven't heard of this. It is a randomly generated roguelike hack and slash kind of game that is billed as a romantic comedy by the people that made it. <laughs> huh. And Never played a rom-com video game. Well, now you can. Um, basically, you play as Hart, who is this little robot in the future after humans have been wiped out, and there's just hundreds of robots, etc. And he still remembers what humans were, and he's like fighting against the robots, and blah, 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 blah. Um, but it works with... Um, did anyone play DMC Devil May Cry? Yes. You know how it has um, the angel and devil weapon triggers where like you have the attacks and then you hold down one trigger and it modifies it to devil or you hold down the right. trigger and modifies it to angel yep yep um so basically when you collect random weapons it works like that so you have the one central weapon on like the face buttons and then with your two other weapons you hold down left trigger you hold down right trigger to swap to them and so you do end up doing like crazy don't make drive combos with all your different moves, except you have like 130 different weapons or something. It also does um something that I really like, which I haven't really seen in many roguelikes. You know when you get up to the next like area in a roguelike, it just basically changes the tile set. So like um, like Rogue Legacy had like the forest or the castle or the basement area kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it's still basically the same kind of area. In this one... Like, you start off in this factory, and it's all a bunch of little rooms that you go through, and you kill things and everything. But then, the actual design of each of the areas you're in, like, radically changes when the tile set changes. So, you go from, like, the little rooms in the factory, then you go into a city, which is, like, these huge open areas where, like, one room is probably about the size of, like, half the stage of the first one. <laughs> and you go to, like, ones where, like, it's, like, entirely vertically based, where you're, like, climbing up a tower and all that kind of shit. So it's like the opposite of Dwarf Fortress or one of those types of games where it's like you open up a hallway and it's just nothing there sometimes? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, the romantic comedy bit, though, comes from the uh, the how you always have the bits that... Because it's a roguelike. Every time you die, you start again, basically. Uh, but the bit that carries over is there's this other character in the game, Slash, which is another robot. And every time you meet Slash, which is like a randomly area in the game, Slash remembers your last meeting. Like, it's the only bit that carries on from, like, death to death and everything. And it's like, that is the relationship that progresses, that builds the romance. And then your ending is based on, like, how far you've gotten in the romance with Slash. So it's sort of like 50 first dates, the hack and slash game? (laughs) Kind of, yeah, but with less Adam Sandler and more, like, robot decapitation. I mean, Adam Sandler decapitation in the video game would also be <laughs> worthwhile. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think Sandler would be on board. Uh, but yeah, that's that sounds really that sounds like a really unique spin on on roguelikes. Normally, like the I know some usually some stuff carries over to also carry over plot elements and relationships yeah, from um, one playthrough to the other. It's really, really cool, neat. and yeah, that is on um, Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and Steam, and it is neat. Oh, it is on Steam? Yeah. Okay, because here's, here's the oh. thing. When I went to search for it on Steam, what ended up popping up was a game called Heart and Soul, 
and not S-O-U-L, S-E-O-U-L, like the Korean city. And it's a dating simulator about a, <laughs> about a girl who goes on vacation to South Korea. Yeah, sounds like Steam. No, the digital Steam. novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good, old, good old visual novels. It's all one word with like the and symbol. So heart and symbol slash all one word. Okay. Uh, yeah, now I have it. Yep, that's yeah. the game. Not heart and soul, which you can buy on Steam for $3. <laughs> Get right on that. <laughs> so, um, Radio Cat, do you have any hidden gems in mind that you... You know, uh, I just recently found out this was the topic for today. So uh, <laughs> this is just kind of impromptu. But I know it's a, like a little bit older game. But like, would we consider Time Splitters an underrated gem? Yes. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, I've heard of it, but uh, I don't know much about it. I mean, have any of you played it? Yes. I played Time Splitters 1 and 2 in co-op a lot back in the day. <laughs> yeah, Time Splitters 2 was mainly the one I would focus on just because I only briefly played uh, the one that came after that. But I I thought that was such a neat series and it had such an interesting vibe and feel and like I I think it they they should have done more with the series. Like it it was great. Um if so it's, tell me what exactly Time Splitters is. It's like I'm a, gonna a say, yeah, comedic first-person shooter. It's like a it's like a first-person shooter about like essentially time travel, and they so every level, quote unquote, is um, them jumping through to a new era, and it was great for co-op because uh, it was two people, and like your characters would uh, also change uh, based on the time period you were sent to. Um, and the weapons would change and uh, to fit the time period, which was great. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, Sounds because... like what uh, Romero and, and Carmack and company are planning to do with Blackroom a little bit. Yeah, it, 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 I've it, not it, heard of that. It was um for those who don't know, it was uh, a bunch of the staff from Rare that made Goldeneye and Perfect Dark quit and form their own company, and so it's basically the spiritual successor to Perfect Dark. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there's a game that kind of does some of the more familiar some of the stuff. It doesn't do as much in, in depth as Time Splitters does, but there's a game called Singularity that came out uh, probably about five years ago or so now um, that does a lot of the jump back and forth in time type concept that I really enjoyed. And if it, it, it might be a hidden gem, um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I was thinking, man, as soon as I started playing, I was like, this this is why we need new Time Splitters because you can do so much more now. Than you could do back then. Yeah, definitely. I think there actually has been talk of the new time splitters for a while. I think Crytek owned the rights, which I don't know how that's going since they're not doing yeah. well. But um, I do remember a couple of years ago that um, there was talk of new time splitters, and I really wish it. Had... It's up. Uh, yeah. yeah. So every once in a while, it comes up. <laughs> Yeah, according to Wikipedia, Time Splitters 4 was postponed indefinitely. Um, and now there's uh, now there's talk about making another game called Time Splitters Rewind, but that never came to fruition. So yeah, it looks I like know. until Crytek gets their shit in order, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Crytek is probably going to fold this year or severely downsize one of the two. Um, 
I don't think it's going to happen, and the rights are probably just going to end up reverting to somebody else, and they'll get revived 15 years down the road. It was a Eidos game, right? Yeah. Um, uh, free it was Free Radical Design. Oh, okay. I thought free Eidos Radical was, Design. Eidos was the publisher, though, right? Eidos, yeah. Eidos published it. Free Radical made it. Free Radical became Crytek UK. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, sorry for them, because... <laughs> Yeah, Crytek's probably not the company you want to get bought by these no, days. No, <laughs> It's kind of like if we were bought by THQ, like, ah, that didn't go like Yeah, I mean, now, like, Ubisoft owns a lot of THQ's old games, and some went to uh, Deep Silver. Um, THQ was pretty big, too. It was weird to yeah. see them collapse uh, a few years ago. But yeah, I guess the Ubisoft side of THQ stuff was dirty. They bought the dude that made Assassin's Creed Studio who specifically quit Ubisoft to get away from them. <laughs> that was his name. Yeah, what was his name? It was uh, Alexandre Desplat. Is, is Alexandre Desplat? I think I forget uh, the guy's Patrice name. Desolais is the... Patrice Desolais. Yeah. I, don't know yeah. where, I don't know where I got Alexandre Desplat from. Alexandre Desplat is a, is a Canadian diver. He brought a whole <laughs> bunch of people over from there too, and I think they all basically just went to go look for new jobs. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, a lot of top tier talent has left Ubisoft. Like Jade Raymond went to go work for EA. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. It seems like they're bleeding talent. And it's not good. Ansel <laughs> started his own studio to make that wild thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, Michel Ansel. Yeah, Michel Ansel is like. I'm like, stop making well. Get back to making Beyond Good and Evil 2. I don't even like uh, the first Beyond Good and Evil. Just make the game that you're supposed to be making, good, damn it. Good and Evil? I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest. I played I, it. I think Dude. Wild looks cool, though. It does. I mean, that's the game where you can play as a bunch of different animals, right? Yeah. Didn't Tokyo Jungle think, already sort of do that? I think Wild looks rad, but it didn't have a previous game that ended on a fucking cliffhanger like 10 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's why he should make Beyond Good and Evil too. It, it's been <laughs> Beyond Good and Evil has been talked about getting a sequel forever. So I don't know. I don't know what ended up happening it's with it. It's a gameplay trailer. I know. Yeah, it's still in development, according to Michel Ancel. Supposedly. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a Last Guardian yeah, sort of thing where they're just taking forever. So what were you saying? Every year they confirm it's still in development, and it, I would much prefer that they just said it's dead. So it can stop exactly. I honestly think it's a Last Guardian situation where they're just going to keep working on it until it's ready. Well, I mean, um, at some point, I mean, I, I I know this doesn't make sense financially, but at some point, I almost wish they would just start it over. Because think about every game that just sits in development hell for twenty years and it gets released. It's just, I mean, how many of them live up to to what they could have been? Look at yeah, you know, yeah. They, I mean, obviously, Duke Nukem Forever tied. is the. Yeah. But I, I don't. I I even think Last Guardian kind of suffers from some of that. I mean, I I know it got some decent reviews, but I think a lot of that was a little bit of nostalgia coloring it. But because everything I saw just looked okay, where if they would have maybe at some point said, okay, we're going to re- restart our progress, I know it would have taken longer to come out, but at least maybe it would have been a little bit more current looking and feeling in its gameplay. Yeah, what I've heard is that it's a good game with the mechanics of ten years ago. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's exactly what I've heard, too. That's basically what they did with 15, and that seemed to come out better than expected for something that long in development. Yeah, I guess, I mean, but 15 story, from what I heard, at least the second half is a total mess. And again, back to 
yeah, there, there's a lot of weirdness to it. I, I, I would just say if, if I was going to do anything with with a with a series that's been in development hell for that long, at least try to figure out if there's been shifts in gameplay that have kind of you know overtaken that genre and, and make sure you incorporate them. Um, otherwise, you just end up kind of getting that Duke Nukem treatment where it's like, yeah, this feels like a 20-year-old game. <laughs> so. Yeah, it, I've I've heard not good things about that one. Um, yeah, so Time Splitters, that was a, a hidden gem, you, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, um, I loved it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a game that I've heard of, but I guess it's hard to check out these days because I never remastered it or anything or ported it to PC, so I never really yeah. had a chance to play it. And I feel like a lot of my enjoyment came from, uh, we played it a lot like a local multiplayer because it was like a four person, like shooter. And, uh, uh like, I feel, I, that's like hard to judge now. With, uh, with Goldeneye and Perfect Dark back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and it had the map builder, didn't it? Like you yeah. could build your own custom co-op maps. Or... Yeah, it had a map yeah, editor. And it worked well. It was not bad. Yeah. I'd definitely like to see more of that. It also uh, had the um, it had like the arcade mode, right? Yes, yes, yeah. That that's the only other thing I remember about it. Because me and my friends, that's all we ever would play. I didn't even know there was a story for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the arcade mode, the arcade mode was fun because it was like all these weird challenges where uh, it related to the character you were playing, and right? Give you yeah. all weird and stuff. It, it so that it, I know, like they had like traditional like versus mode but then they have like just weird you play as this character and try to do this thing against your friend who's doing the opposite i remember those little challenges i like those a lot yeah and like there was cool things like the gun that was like the expando gun and it shot syringes and if you shot a certain amount into someone their body would just explode yeah yeah too big yeah i I think First person shooters could stand to have more ridiculous weapons inside uh, instead of you know here's your handgun here's your automatic rifle here's your shotgun like I don't know add some variety in there mm-hmm. definitely like, <laughs> yeah just get silly with it who cares yeah for sure so um, Kappa do you have any hidden gems in mind that you want to share with us I've got a couple I got a couple um try to get some more I guess you know this current gen I guess or whatever or stuff that you can find on steam these days um first one I think is getting actually a ps4 release in a couple months so this one might be on more people's writers than it was it's called dungeons 2 um one of the things I always hear people kind of, you know, graph about is why can't they remake Dungeon Keeper? Why can't, you know, where's the new Dungeon Keeper? There is one. It's called Dungeons 2. It's great and it's hilarious. Um, it's narrated by the guy from Stanley Parable. So if you've played that game, you already know kind of what you're getting. It's very funny. It has a lot of kind of, I don't know, I guess the British would say like it takes the piss out of a lot of like current fantasy genres. There's a lot of um lord of the rings a lot of game of thrones references throughout there's a whole expansion based around game of thrones um it's it's very 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 fun um uh, if you can give it a shot give it a shot it's it's dungeon keeper with lots of little additions and kind of like an overworld versus underworld type thing going on so you prep your dungeon you defend your dungeon and then you venture out into the overworld and go out and do you know missions quests those sorts of things 
Um, great, great, great game uh, that I feel kind of like fell under the radar. You can pick it up on Steam pretty regularly for about ten bucks. Um, Holy shit! I'm so, looking at this now and it looks awesome. It's great. It's great, and I, I don't know why it fell under the radar. Like I said, the number one thing about it is how funny it is. Like, it, like once you hear that Stanley Parable narration kick in, and he kind of just you know he, he does the thing like he does in Stanley Parable where he's narrating over the game, and like when you die, he's like. Wait, that didn't actually happen. Like you, like you started over and things oh, like that. Oh, so like San- Prince of Persia: Sands of Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, very funny game. Fun game to play. It, otherwise, the game mechanics are are Dungeon Keeper with I would say a lot more uh, bent towards research. You know, like in Dungeon Keeper, like you kind of hit like those dead ends where like okay, well this is the best imp I'm gonna make. This game has a lot more into upgrades um, of your individual character types. Um, and I think that's that's really fun. Um, so give it a shot if you see it on sale or whatever. Um, like like most of these games that I'm going to be listing, I think there's always some flaws to them. You know, otherwise it'd be, you know, it wouldn't be in that hidden gem category, just be in the gem category. So there's some drawbacks to this game. I feel like it it starts slow. It gives you like, you know, a lot of room to learn and it, almost a, a too long of a tutorial. But by the time you get going, it really starts to to hit its stride. Um, all the DLCs are really good too. So Dungeons 2, if you're looking for something that's definitely in that Dungeons Keeper vein. Um, would you say it's better than the new mobile phone Dungeon Keeper game? Yeah, yeah, I would. <laughs> I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead. Not exactly a tall order there. <laughs> I'll go ahead on that limb and say, yeah. The, the, the one thing, too, that I really liked about it is um, beyond like the, the, the funny nature of the narration and stuff, is the battles play out very... I don't know if you guys have played a lot of the Dungeon Keeper and stuff, but there's times you're I like... Wait a minute. Dungeon so like, you're like, when that hero comes in, you're like, my army should stomp this guy. And for whatever reason, bad luck or whatever, um, you don't. You get killed by the hero who you should way take care of easily. This game has a lot more of the hero classes as they come in, and a lot more, I would say, like hard counters. So when you get the bard who comes in and he can disable your traps... You can get the goblin who, you know, goes back and basically like kind of blinds him so he can't disable the trap. So there's a lot oh, more cool. like specific counters to specific heroes that wander into your dungeon rather than just having to hope you get lucky with that demon that happens to clog the hall so the the, the warrior can't get through or whatever. Um, this one you can kind of build around that. Um, very cool game. Um the next one's gonna come with like a really big caveat because I know it got a huge patch earlier this month uh, marvel heroes 2016 um huh. originally released as marvel heroes and then it was it basically was completely reworked from the ground up and they added the 2016 it so they could get it re-rated on steam because the first one that came out out the gates was was basically like a turd so they went back they re-released it as marvel heroes 2016 now i think it's marvel heroes 2016 2.0 is what the new one that came out this january is um, it's a free-to-play Diablo clone. And when I mean clone, I mean pretty much clone. Um, but featuring all the characters you know and love from the Marvel Universe. And, I mean, they get obscure with it. You can play as Squirrel Girl. Um, you know, like, this is nice. just like the Avengers and X-Men. This, this game gets some deep cuts in there. Um, I, I would say that it's, it's, it's free-to-play. I think you get one character that you can play all the way to the end of the game, no problem. Um, and then you have to pay basically you get hero drops very, 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 very rarely. Um, and but most of the game is in like customization. Right. So if you want to pay for a new costume, you can. If you want to pay for, you know, different things, you can. It's all there. 
but the core experience of the game is really free to play. It's just if you get bored with playing as the Punisher or whoever, you know, just like if you got bored as playing the Barbarian in Diablo, if you go to make that second character, that's sometimes when you need to pay. But you can also get lucky with the hero drop. Um, there, there's At this point, there's so many layers of the game, it's very hard to kind of break into. But if you're just looking for a Diablo experience that's free to play and set in the Marvel Universe... Um, by people who obviously really did read and love the comics. That's one thing that really kind of pulled God, me into the game. I'm not kidding about the fucking obscurity here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just went to the website and first hero listed is Angela. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the there, there's fuck? a lot. And, and there's like team-ups and sidekicks and stuff like that. It, there, yeah, it's whole, great. Yeah, I it, love it's, it. It's a, it's a. I think it fell under people's radar because its first initial reviews were garbage. It deserved them. Um, and then people kind of said, well, they rebranded as Marvel Heroes 2016 to get new ratings on Steam so people don't think it's a turd. And yeah, that's kind of true. But I feel like if you do substantial things to a game to improve it, um, you know, through patches and stuff, and you're not going to milk your fan base and just make it a sequel and charge more for it, I think that should be one of those things that, okay, maybe we can make a little allotment for that. Um, but the game itself, yeah, it really comes together um, to be a, a, a Diablo experience i guess um last one and this one is one that i I, i'm guessing maybe a lot of people played um when it came out but maybe got kind of got uh forgot about is um call of juarez gunslinger did any of you guys play that one yeah i played the first i guess third of it but never finished it for whatever reason i think it's because i honestly it just got too hard for me i'm not that great at shooters Mm mm-hmm it's 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 got two mechanics that I really love. The first is the unreliable narrator uh, is hilarious. So if you haven't played it, basically you're in a saloon and this is told kind of through like a motion comic. Uh, you know, this famous gunslinger comes in and this boy sits down to him next to him and starts asking about, you know, some of his favorite gunfights and stuff. But you can tell the guy is either like making stuff up wholesale or completely drunk and doesn't remember it. Um, so, and then like the game reflects his story as he goes on. So there'll be like times where like, like he's telling this, this story to the kid, but he'll forget about a part. And the guy be like, wait a minute, wait a minute. How did you get there? And like the game will like rewind and go back and like play to that point. Um, so that, that's a really cool mechanic. I liked a, a fun way to tell the story. The other okay, one that... place where, it, where it does that is you reach a dead end and then the kid's like, wait, how do you get past that dead end? And then. The narrator is like, wait, that dead end wasn't actually there. There was actually a tunnel. Yeah, yeah. And then like the game puts a tunnel in front of you. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's pretty good. Um, the duels in it are really good. I, I'm guessing that's probably maybe what you got defeated by or, or felt was really difficult. Oh you, no, I, I just got stuck like the regular mechanics. I just ran out of ammo because I wasn't smart enough to conserve it. <laughs> the um, the you can play pistol guy, shotgun guy, or rifle guy. I think are the three different weapons you can use, but uh, every now and then there's a duel where like you have to you know face up against the guy for justice or whatever um, and it's a very it feels like a duel like you push down on the thumbstick then you like hammer it up and then uh, it's hard to explain until you've done it but the mechanics of it actually feel like you're pulling your gun from a holster and shooting it um, w- which was a neat way to do it it, it was a budget title when it was, mm. was released I want to say it was like maybe 10 bucks at release so you could probably find it for a song these days um, so that's another gem that i think maybe more people played at release but people haven't kept up on it and i try to think of you know people are always telling me hey what's a good dungeon siege game or dungeon keeper game what's a good diablo game what's a good shooter so i try to get all three of those and 
I know I said that it was going to be my last one, but I just thought of one more I'd mention is um, the Assassin's Creed side scrollers are all decent for what they are. Um, if you're yeah. I need to provide a massive caveat here because I don't think you're including Assassin's Creed Discovery for the 3DS. <laughs> no, <laughs> fucking garbage. No, um, I think it's uh, it's China. The ones India, that are the cross-platform Russia. ones. Yeah, yeah, China, China, India, and Russia. I believe. Yeah. Chronicles one, India, China, Russia. Yeah, yeah. I I really enjoyed them. Um, I mean, I think I played all of them. It's it's very uh, what is it, Mark of the Ninja style or Shadow Complex style? Um, that one kind of thing. I think. They did really well, which I've never seen in Side Scroller do. Well, sorry, I want to fanboy over Assassin's Creed here for a second. Um, they the way you can move through 3D space on a 2D plane, like how you can like jump down the side of platforms and like shimmy across to get past guards and shit. I've never seen a game do that before, and it's awesome. Yeah, it it, it feels that I think they call it what 2.5D or whatever, like two and a half D scroller. Yeah. Or something. Uh, yeah, it, it does. It does feel like you're moving through a stage rather than jumping on a series of platforms. Um, I mean, I think China is free. I want to say I think Assassin's Creed uh, Chronicles China is free. So if you just want to see what I'm talking about, um, it, it's really fun. And then uh, the just that first stage of that escape from the prison, it really shows you a lot about what that that kind of engine can do uh, when you feel like you're you're moving across an entire stage through an area rather than just walking in up and down, you know, platforms. Uh, I gotta check that out, because I haven't played any of the Assassin's Creed 2Ds just because I thought that they seemed like... I, th- I thought they were just going to be cash-ins or something. They're really not. I, You know, I, I think I read this somewhere that they basically made them as an apology uh, or released them as an apology. Like, I think they were going to bundle them and sell them as a game, but then... It was, I... um... Yeah, China came free as an apology after how bad fucking Unity was. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so Unity was so bad they became basically everybody China for free, and then people were like, "Wow, this is really good." There were already plans to make the other two, but I think that kind yeah, of people were like when they got announced, they had a trailer showing off all three. Mm-hmm. And also, what you haven't mentioned is the art styles are really cool, especially India. India looks awesome. Um, yeah, I really love the art. Usually, yeah. the strongest of the because, oh. Uh, did you actually finish Russia? No, no. Russia just came out not too long ago, right? Like beginning of last year. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten that one. I, I bought them, I bought Russia on the humble bundle um, that was last week, so I haven't played it yet. Um, I, I, has, go ahead. You know how there were a couple of like the sniping missions in India. Mm-hmm. Russia goes a lot further into them, and mostly they're really cool. But at the end, they become dog shit and that's the worst <laughs> final boss fights i've ever seen yeah i haven't picked it up but i'll tell you india is a beautiful game i mean it, it makes me want an assassin's creed proper in india um for how they make it look i mean it's very bright the color palettes are all like light greens and like gold um beautiful looking game yeah, yeah i'm looking i look at screenshots right now and these are they really did a nice job with the art style on uh, on India and, and Russia, from what I can tell. Um, China had more of a monochromatic thing with, with red accents, right? Yeah. What yeah. they've basically done is instead of going for like a realistic depiction of the countries, they've done it in the kind of art style that was popular in that city in that time. So China has like this whole ink wash look that China was very into. India has like all the really bright colors of, like, the kind of weaving and everything, and Russia is based on old um, communist propaganda posters. Yeah. Yeah. They've done a, it, they've done a really good job with, with capturing 
with incorporating elements of, of those cultures in, into the art style, uh, which is not something you see that often, unfortunately. So good on them. Um, yeah, so those just those are a lot of interesting a lot of interesting games. A lot of them that I've heard of, but that I've never heard much about. So that's some incentive to try them out. Um, I was going to mention a couple of of um, indie games that a lot of which you've probably heard of, but uh, I'll just go through the list. The first one I want to mention is a game called Consortium. Have you guys heard of it? I think I've heard of it. I don't think no. I've played it. All right, so let me explain what it is. It's a very short action RPG, and it's sort of like a cross between Mass Effect and the Stanley Parable. If Mass Effect were set entirely aboard the Normandy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Scaling it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So imagine – so the idea is that you play through it multiple times and each time you get a different, a different uh, outcome or a different story. Uh, the mechanics are very, you know, walk and talk to people. There's a little bit of shooting. And um, – the idea is that you're trying to solve a murder mystery on board an airship. And then there's a conspiracy and a whole lot of lore associated with it. You can spend hours reading the lore of the game in in-game encyclopedias. Um, is there a time so limit to the game? There's no time limit. Okay. You can actually just sit, stand there for like three hours reading at terminals and nobody cares. <laughs> there, are some, there are some actions or some segments of the game that are timed. But for the most part, if you're in sort of a free section of the game, then you can just stand around doing nothing. Cool. Um, so yeah, that's it's got an interesting it's got an interesting cast of characters. Um, mechanics are a little confusing and complicated, but you know, shooting's good. Um, a sequel is coming soon. Just got uh, it was put up on Fig, I believe, last year, uh, and reached its goal. And so hopefully. That comes in the next couple of years. Um, another game I want to mention is a short narrative game called Emily is Away. Have you guys heard of this one? No. 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 Like I'm just, I think I'm just going to mention this... a whole bunch of really obscure games. I'm just saying, is this, is this the MMO love story one? So not to be confused with the MMO love story okay. one. <laughs> released in the same year, though. All right. So it was released in the same year as Sybil. Okay. That... Uh, the, the MMO love story game. Um, this one is what I like to call it's, it's Sybil, but better. Okay. And also free. So there's no reason to play. I mean, Sybil is, is a decent game in of itself. I shouldn't say there's no reason to play Sybil, but I think Emily is a way captured a lot of the same ideas as Sybil, but better. The premise here is that it's about two friends who go to college and they drift apart and it's told through MSN messenger chat logs. So if you guys remember MSN messenger from way back in the day, I guess, some of you might be it might be a little bef- uh, after your time, uh, but I was when I was a kid, ICQ, M- man. <laughs> ICQ, yeah. So when I was a kid, MSN Messenger was a thing, especially when I was in middle school and uh, sort of the beginning of high school. So these kids are, I guess, the people in the store are slightly older than me. They were in college at the time, and yeah, they have MSN Messenger chat. Um, how, that's how they communicate with each other over the years. And what they do a really good job of is capturing the aesthetic of it. So, like, your contacts will have, you know, really bad emo song lyrics as their statuses and <laughs> avatars for, like, 
bands that were popular in the early 2000s and things like that. So uh, that that's a really neat, uh, really neat game that they they made really well. Um, How weird is it though that that and Civil kind of came out in the same year? With I mean, it doesn't not exactly the same thing, but you knew right away what I was talking about when I talked about that one. Yeah, it, it was really weird that, I, and, I, and I pointed it out to a lot of people uh, that Emily is away sort of, unfortunately, because I shouldn't say unfortunately, because Sybil is, is a decent game in and of itself, and it does reserve, deserve some recognition. But it's sort of unfortunate that they came out in the same year because Sybil had, you know, the big name behind it, Nina Freeman, and Emily is away had some nobody, unfortunately, behind it. Um, so it's sort of... It's, it sort of just completely fell under the radar because everybody was talking about Sybil and there was no room for Emily is Away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're both really good and Emily is Away is, is the one I prefer. So if you want to check it out, it's it's free. It's really short. It takes like an hour and a half to play through max. So uh, you can definitely get some enjoyment out of that. <laughs> um, another game I wanted to mention more in moving away from interactive fiction and back into uh, what we might consider more to be a video game. I know I mentioned this on the podcast before, this game called Fract OSC. Mm-hmm. So this is a first-person puzzler, but instead of you know the physics-based puzzles of, say, you know Portal, Quantum Conundrum, um, and, and its ilk, this is uh, a game where the puzzles are based on audio. Uh, so... Here, the idea is that you're set in you're in this neon drenched world where um, everything is based off eighty synth noises, and uh, the puzzles are all based on arranging uh, elements of the environment to form bass lines or lead lines or, or chords, and then when you solve the puzzle, it comes together and sort of builds part of the music of that level. Sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really neat. It was released a few years ago. It was one of my favorite games. Um, in the interest of full disclosure, I I blogged a review of, of it a few years ago, and uh, the creator like found it online somehow and retweeted about it. So yay, um, <laughs> because it was a very positive review. Pardon me. You're basically famous now, is what you're saying. Oh yeah, I'm basically famous. Some anonymous nobody with a blog that five people read uh, is super <laughs> famous. Um, oh no, video game ethics. Um, <laughs> Last time you talked about this, I looked this game up and I it was crazy. It was <laughs> I was trying to like watch gameplay videos of it, and man, it, it's hard to describe. I see, I know what you mean by it. It looks very fun, but yeah, it's <clears throat> it's sort like it's set in this. Uh, it's almost forbidding world where there are just these giant, like neon pink and neon purple mountains and stuff like that. And you sort of navigate your way through the landscape, looking at these ancient ruins that have symbols on them that represent different synthesizer things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really neat uh, aesthetic they've got going on. Uh, a couple of other ones I want to mention. This is, I think, received quite a bit of recognition, but. There are a lot of people who haven't heard of it, so I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, it's a game called Gravity Ghost. And um, it's, it's sort of a... It's a physics-based uh, 2D puzzle platformer where the main mechanic is using orbits of planets to launch yourself at other planets. Hmm. 
Yeah, and it's got this. Um, it's got this sort of cartoonish, almost paper crafty kind of aesthetic uh, to it, and it's got also a surprisingly dark story underlying it. <laughs> like told you're in like, a very charming way. Are you Galactus the Planet Eater, and they're all just? <laughs> <laughs> Man, this looks like, oh, well, and I don't know if this is a point of reference that people outside of Australia will get, but we have a TV station called the ABC here, which is like a government-funded network station that has lots of kids' cartoons on, and it looks like the yeah. five-minute weird long cartoons that were on ABC in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, like, it, they always it has... had these weird, like silent kind of like stop-motion paper craft that cartoons it never had any talking and this looks exactly like something you'd see in that yeah so what i will say about this is that it does have uh it does have voice acting i think ashley birch plays the main character actually um but what i was saying surprisingly dark story so it's not like apocalyptic but let me just say that it's called gravity ghost for a reason and i'll <laughs> leave it at that okay <laughs> um yeah I don't, I don't really want to spoil the story because it is it is pretty neat um, and finally, this is a game that I think I've mentioned on, on podcasts before, and I keep talking about it, and I just have never successfully gotten anybody to play it. But I think everybody should play it. It's called Parallax. It's a first-person puzzler, as a lot of games are, but this one feels sort of like a cross between Portal and Quantum Conundrum. The idea is that um, there are gates throughout the world, that allow you to flip between two different dimensions. And as you walk through the gate, you end up in an alternate dimension. If you walk back through the gate, you end up back in the first dimension. Um, And the idea is, the main mechanic is flipping switches in order to turn gates in different directions and uh, manipulate pieces of the environment in both dimensions so you can reach uh, the exit of the level. Um, It's very simple. It's very simple. Uh, conceptually, but in practice the puzzles get absolutely mind-bending and uh, eventually the game sort of says goodbye to the normal laws of gravity and then it becomes an absolute uh, vertigo-inducing clusterfuck, (laughs) but in a good way. So if you enjoy mind-bending puzzles that may or may not give you nausea... Just looking at this yeah. trailer, and you are underselling this game. The visuals are incredible. Yeah, it's got this really neat monochromatic color palette, like the the black and white, with uh, almost it almost looks like a, a blueprint sort of design they've got going on. Um, yeah, it's like, and through the portals are like just the inverted color scheme where everything is a white background in one, and then everything is a background background in the other. It looks really really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. Um, also, again, interest of full disclosure, um, I identify there, one of the patches is due to me (laughs) as in, I found a bug and I posted a screenshot of it on steam and the developer found it. He's like, what the hell is this? How did this happen? Uh, I explained to him what the bug was and he's like, um, you know what? I'm going to patch this, uh, out now. So yeah, one (laughs) of the patches. Yeah, there is a Merv patch uh, in this game because of me. So um, that's great. Yeah, I got my own patch. I've never done that before. Um, also, it's a fellow Canadian who developed that game. So shout out to Zige. Um, yeah, 
So those are the hidden gems that uh, I've enjoyed playing. Um, I think we've all mentioned a bunch of games, and these are all games that have gone sort of under the radar or haven't gone under the radar for whatever reason. Um, why do you think they went under the radar? I mean, some of them are indie games, and obviously they're not going to get the same sort of publicity that the big AAA games do. But we mentioned some pretty some games released by major publishers that just went under the radar. And why do you think that they that they did? Well, I think with the Assassin's Creed ones, I I, I think people just didn't know what to expect. And this was kind of in the time of a lot of bad will towards Ubi for various reasons. Like if you really think about everything post that Unity release has been really met with a lot of kind of skepticism towards it. Uh, and we've talked about that before. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people, like, I, I think as soon as I mentioned it, I think Radio Cat said he thought of those as just a cash grab. You know, so I, I think that's one of the things that really pops into people's minds is, like, when I talk about Marvel Heroes, oh, well, that's a, it must be pay to win. It must be free to play. I think people come into a lot of types of games with preconceptions. And not well, Marvel, Marvel Heroes just sounds like the... Awesome. Yeah, Marvel Heroes yeah. just sounds like the name of a free-to-play mobile game, right? Even right. If that's not what it is, yeah, definitely. Marvel Heroes launched with a crazy plan when they launched, and I'll it, it, since we're doing full disclosure, uh, they had to basically pay two hundred bucks, get everything in the game. Um, you know, like all the characters, all the costumes, or whatever. And I did that, and I was like, you know, this is stupid. To, why am I doing this? But then, like, you start to see what they what you get with that money, and it's character on top of character i mean i don't even know how many characters there are um you know they ended that when they kind of came to the 2.0 and said look you know at this point you guys got to start paying again but they give you like a free hero a hero a free character slot so you buy basically everything in the game um and i think that was one of the things that pushed people away from marvel heroes because they saw that they're like well they're basically asking me to play 200 dollars to pay the game that's not really what they were going for at all um but i think there's a lot of a lot of misconceptions when the internet hate machine gets going whether you know you're on Reddit or NeoGAF or, or Giant Bomb or one of the other million places people talk about video games, it's really hard to pump the brakes on it, right? Like my my classic example. Do you guys remember when Microsoft announced the original plans for the Xbox One? Yes. Yeah. And like people it was crazy. went ape shit, right? Like people like were like, "This is the worst thing ever." And then Microsoft kind of started to like clarify some stuff, like, "Yeah, you're going to buy the games digital only, but you're going to have a family account. And you can share games for free." And it, it basically started to sound like Steam to me. Like, basically, Microsoft was trying... That thing sounded so cool, and I'm still glad that we didn't get it. But, but the people right. on the internet were, were so caught up on, well, you're telling me I can't buy used games anymore. Like, who... I, I think I've bought maybe 10 used games since I've owned an Xbox One, and I bought probably all my other games digital, right? So if I could yeah. share those with my family... I mean, the, the plan they had in place was a genius plan, but nobody wanted to listen because that hate machine was already way down the road, right? Um, so, I mean, I, yeah. I think that happens I mean, with so many games now. It's just, it's hard to, to be that person to say like, wait a minute, I play this and that's not true at all. Or, or wait a minute, I bought this and that's not this game. Yeah, especially with the, with the Xbox thing. I think what got people was for a lot of people who, uh, who don't have that much money, I guess buying used games is, is an advantage. Um, but if the prices were going to fall in, in a digital storefront, then I can see sort of making that up, making up that difference. But that would be contingent on Microsoft, you know, putting up sale prices. Maybe they would, realizing that mm. they could capture this market that they previously weren't capturing. Um, so, you know, it, it goes, it, it kind of cuts both ways, and I can see why people would be sort of against the used game market. But 
there's no denying that I, I would I would not be surprised if you know GameStop was pushing hard against it. Yeah, yeah, like they were out there feeding the trolls and everything else. Yeah, I, I could understand yeah, something like that. Like I, I definitely see why people were like why people want their used games because because well, video my... games are expensive, uh, for sure. But I, I, I think there's definitely corporate pressures. Yeah, and they Microsoft. could have been more out front. Yeah. Microsoft could have been more out front of it and said, hey, here's our plan. Here's our – you know, they were going to have like a once-a-week online check to make sure that you still had the license for the games you paid for, which made sense, right? If I'm playing your account, you know, then everything's getting kind of swapped. Like you could transfer games to people. Do you remember how they said you could do that? Like if I stopped playing Halo and I was done with it, I could transfer yeah. my license to you. Yeah, so I mean, it seemed like that's what they wanted to do was have like this once yeah. a week or always online check for that, and people freaked out about that. And I mean, yeah, I get it. It sucks when, for whatever reason, your your, your internet's down, you can't play your game. But I, how often really does the average person? I live in the middle of nowhere, and, and my internet goes out maybe once every six months. You know, so I get it if you're one of those people in a bad situation. But you got to make the game the console decision for the majority. But I mean that. Basically, yeah, they, I mean, they made that I announcement. Think people on uh, people on military bases were uh, they thought there's workarounds. Body into access. There's workarounds. <laughs> I was hey, in Iraq and I was playing on Steam. There's, there's workarounds. <laughs> you would know for sure. Um, yeah. So sometimes the, I guess the internet, like in, in some cases, why a game like it might be recognized, people might know of it, but there's my misconceptions and misconceptions spread like wildfire in this industry. Um, I think a lot of the time. Sure as well it just comes down to like plain luck like one indie game will get someone to look at it and blow up online and another indie game will be just as good and no one will have heard of it it's like just there's no real way to control it it's just fluid, yeah, really it's a great point back to merv talking about emily is away never heard of it and i played sybil sybil i have no idea how to pronounce that it's sybil i believe Sybil. yeah but i mean when as soon as he started saying it, i was like huh sounds like a, a different game but yeah you're right it, it just sometimes a game catches fire and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, frog fractions, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a bizarre little thing. That um, see, when I when I was first linked to frog fractions, I was linked to it as like as if it were just a regular game. So I went into it thinking this is a regular game that makes no sense. And I tried to make sense. At first, I tried to make sense of the fractions. <laughs> then I realized that the fractions weren't adding up properly. Um. And then, like, I actually had, like, the journey of discovery with it. Where I was like, oh, wait, this is actually something bizarre. Um, and now I don't think, because it's received so much press, I don't think people can get that same experience anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah I know exactly what you mean. I mean, Like, I, if I send you Frog Factions, you know you're in for something weird. Yeah, I started playing it, and then I was like, how am I ever going to get a million, whatever it is, points, you know, to, to figure out? And then I, I, I was playing, I was playing, I was like, this is kind of dumb. And then I hit down. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, like, the whole game just opened up. And then, the yeah, first it... time I played it, I gave up after like two hours because I didn't realize you could hit down. Yep. <laughs> I think everybody yeah, has I... that moment. They're like, oh my god, there's a whole other game to this, isn't there? Yeah, because I, I don't think hitting down does anything like the first level, right? So you, you need to wait. Yeah, once you hit the dragon, I think is when it... Yeah. I think it's. I think I was doing everything with just the mouse, and then I was like, "Wait, can I move my character with the arrow keys?" And it turns out I could, and then I ac- I, like I accidentally pressed down. I was like, "Wait." <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, getting back to it too, I think the 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 poison for a game is to just be kind of middlingly reviewed, 
and also look like a lot of things that are kind of currently out there and and maybe like kind of being part of a series that's either on the decline or for whatever reason like we were talking about is is being hated because i mean call of war is a garbage series right i mean i i think i played maybe two of them they were all right i mean but they're all very they had a cool little niche at the time but they're nothing special um so when guns gunslinger came along i wasn't expecting anything from it um so sometimes you just gotta you just got you get caught by the what came before you or what's currently popular out at the time yeah one of the like the call the carl of Juarez that released just before uh the uh gunslinger was called the cartel yeah and it was panned for being one of the most offensive and racist games ever released yeah sounds about right (laughs) yeah um, apparently, this is a game where uh, Mexicans are coming to the United States to kidnap women across yeah, the, it's, and take them across the border, which is when actually the opposite is what <laughs> happens. And the, yeah. The one I read before, or the one I played before, was one, it was just kind of a very generic, I can't remember what it was called, Call of Juarez Bound in Blood or Brothers in Blood or something like that. Yeah, Bound in Blood. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, you know, like you're. Uh, a preacher and you know but you're falling back on your ways and you remember the civil war and your brother and you're becoming a gun so it's just very generic feeling um set in a western area but not enough to recommend it in a way um but yeah so i mean i think same thing with assassin's creed same thing with call of war as you kind of get those games that are part of a series on decline they're tacked on but there's something different they're trying to do something new um and a lot of people aren't even given the chance because of where that series is yeah, I feel like that yeah. happens quite a bit um, where there's even, finally a good entry in a series. Even and, within sometimes, like, within games. Like, I really enjoyed the Mass Effect multiplayer. Have, have any of you guys played that at all? Yeah. No, so, like, I, yeah, yeah. I they announced that there's going to be something similar coming out to Andromeda, and a lot of people are really, like, up in arms about it. Like, this game doesn't need multiplayer, but I really had a good time with the Mass Effect multiplayer. And I think... People probably saying that really never gave it a chance. It's more of a co-op mode than anything. It's really not. Yeah, it's basically horde mode. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they, they you give you play different it with arcs. Yeah, you can play it. You, I mean, you can play it for like two hours and get max out your readiness and be done with it in Mass Effect Three. It doesn't require an intense time commitment or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't know why people are so down on it. Um, but yeah, so like that's an example of like even within a game, there's sometimes within game gems that a lot of people just for whatever reason, avoid. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm that, guilty um, of that. And we were talking about Unity before. Did anyone actually play the multiplayer in Unity? Mm-mm. Nope. It was really cool. <laughs> like, that was a really cool mode, and because it and it worked really well. Like, basically, you just went up to some missions and you started a mission, and some other dudes would run up beside you, and you were suddenly doing a multiplayer mission. And that's cool. Work really well and they were really fun and if you actually had people you were playing with you could like you can like organize properly do like proper stuff it was really cool like it was the best bit of that game and no one even played it (laughs) yeah i think it's because people were so angry about about sorry go ahead three you couldn't do the multiplayer missions anymore because everyone had quit (laughs) i I, I, the assassin's creed multiplayer i remember is where like you take on the role of somebody and you're trying to sneak around and assassinate each other. It's very cat and mousey. You don't want to run or sprint. Like 360 and PS3 games. Yeah. Yeah, 2 and Brotherhood had it, I believe. Brotherhood. Yeah. All the 
from Brotherhood on had it. So Brotherhood, uh, Revelations, Black or... Flag. Think about all the effort that goes into making those game modes, and like you, just, you know, they never just catch on. So like, yeah, the the gem part of it, like, I, why is Gwent? Why does Gwent catch on so much with people? When I I think it's one of the most basic, you know, in game games I've played. But Gwent catches on a ton. Other games just don't to the point where like they're making physical Gwent decks and stuff now. Um, yeah, probably because I, I Gwent is simple Gwent. that it caught on. <laughs> I mean, it's it's all right. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, I've played better in-game mini games, and it's it's just weird that that's like all of a sudden the new high bar for in-game mini games. When I was like, eh, Gwent was I want to know where the standalone Final Fantasy VIII Triple Triad is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go, Triple Triad. There's a version online that's cheats. I, I swear to God, it cheats. I've tried it before. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why some things take off and don't. A lot of times, it's just I feel like it's like any meme or anything out there where. You, you know, the right people at the right time start getting into something and it just takes over. Yeah, yeah. there's this... This is going to be really obscure because none of you are Canadian. Um, there's this game called the Yukon Trail, which is sort of like the Canadian Oregon Trail set in the, the Yukon Gold Rush. Um, and in it, there's an in-game card game. I believe it's called Yukon. Um, it's sort of like a cross between hearts and poker, I guess. Hard to explain. Um in any case, that is probably one of the best in-game card games I've ever played. It's in a stupid edutainment game. Um, and I would love for that to be an actual card game that people play. But well, like, uh, um, no dice. I'm, sure, I'm assuming everybody here played New Vegas, right? Um, did you like yep. Caravan? I actually don't think I ever played See? Caravan. <laughs> I didn't get into it. I couldn't enjoy it at all. I liked it. It was it, Caravan to me was one of those like you know how people always say like uh, easy to learn, hard to master. Like that's exactly what Caravan was for me. Once I figured out how to play, it, I was like, oh my god, I can become a millionaire once I get the right number of cards and stuff in this game. And but yeah, so, so many people when I talk about like oh man, it's really hard to make money in New Vegas. I'm like oh, have you tried Caravan? They're like what? <laughs> See, and it's just it's one <laughs> yeah, of those like, things, man. I knew exactly what you were talking about, but I was just like, uh, I don't feel like gambling. Yeah. So I never, I never went for it. But yeah. I don't know. It's weird. I act like a goody two shoes in in the standard video game. But when I played edutainment, I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna be a bad boy. Fuck yeah, I'm gonna gamble." <laughs> They're gonna try to make me learn. I'm gonna be a jerk about it. Yeah. By the end, I'd figured out. Like, I played that game so many times on all the on all the school computers, and then my parents bought it for me when I was a kid as well. So, like, I played that game so much. Like, I've played it, I must have played it at least 25 times. I, I know exactly what the, what the best uh, claim to stake is to get the most gold at the end of the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking I, I, maxing your edutainment games. Yeah, I, I fucking min-maxed Yukon Trail. Because that was, like, the easiest of the trail games. Like, fucking Amazon Trail was quite a bit more difficult. Um, I've only beaten, I've only like beaten it perfectly a couple of times. And then like, if you ever play Africa trail, Mm-mm. which I, I guess you haven't even heard of. No. Trails is a franchise. Oh the no, there, it's a franchise. There's like Oregon and, uh, Amazon Yukon. Then there's also, uh, Maya quest, the mystery trail, Africa trail and explore Yellowstone, which doesn't have trail in the name, but it is basically a trail game. I played See, yeah, so... in Australia. We didn't have any Australian trail games, so 
there's no trail yeah. in Australia. You so, build the uh, rabbit fence or whatever, right? But you guys got that fence. <laughs> rabbit proof fence. So I'm going to say that Africa Trail is actually kind of a hidden gem. Um, so the premise is that you're taking a bike tour across Africa and you have to manage your supplies and, uh, and your biking team and, and, uh, fix your bike along the way, etc. Uh, it's actually super difficult and I've only been able to beat two of the routes. Um, you need to put your expertise towards Oregon trail. Have you played that one? The remake, the zombie one. Zombie one? Yeah, it's called Oregon yeah. Trail. Oregon Trail. Yeah. yeah, I've heard of it. Um, yeah, I've never played it though, because I had never played Oregon Trail growing up. Yeah, it's it's basically a, a straight rip from it, but with zombies. It's it's all right. Yeah, I should I should definitely should try more of these games because I actually really liked Africa Trail when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, but that whole pile of games has been lost to time now. <laughs> Um, yeah, so some games seem to fall under the radar because they don't get the, they don't get the right press, uh, because the internet hate machine gets on them. Um, and sometimes games just randomly by chance don't get recognized. So I think we've, uh, we've covered hidden gems pretty well. Would you say any other hidden gems you guys want to mention? Oh, uh... I did want to mention it, but I didn't want to put it in my main thing because I talked about it on the best games of 2016 thing. Everyone uh, needs to play Honey Brew's Underdog Fighter Extraordinaire because that game's awesome. What was that? Repeat that. <laughs> Honey Rose Underdog Fighter Extraordinaire. It's a visual novel like beat 'em up game. Huh. You're not kidding. <laughs> it's really cool. One student, two lives, six months to go. <laughs> I'm still This year, right. Red must meet her idol, Big Blue, in the ring and make it to the top of the mass fighting tournament. Her dream will yeah, come true like either, as like, long as she also graduates. Splitting your time yeah. between either being like a college student or like this underground masked fighting ring. And it's really cool. I, and I So so like Persona, but with brawling instead of dungeon crawling? Yes. Basically okay. that. I, these games, I don't know how to describe, but like these games were like Persona is a good example. Like that, there's that time limit, or like if you don't do certain things by certain days, you never get to do them. Or the time limit in Dead Rising One, like it kind of makes me anxious. Like I don't know how to explain it. It's like, did I do the exact right things on the exact right days to get what I want to get? Um, I think that's I, kind of the point, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I I feel the same way. I can't play some of that shit when it's like, oh my god, I, ho- I did I miss it? Did I yeah. ruin everything? <laughs> some of my, one of my friends called them time management sims, and I'm like, that's exactly the best way to describe them. Like, if you've ever played the original Dead Rising, you know, like, if you're not here at this exact certain time in this exact certain place, this person that's key to the story getting, you know, developed dies, and that's it. The game's, you know, pretty much from there on a waste of time so oh, but yeah. yeah and they didn't stop yeah. you in dead rising one did they it's just like no nope. oh, he's dead just going. playing out three days and you can't win now yeah exactly oh wow that's all that's kind of an interesting way to set up a game but i don't think they do that much anymore well persona um, i don't know if they still do it either i haven't played i haven't tried a persona since maybe three but that had a lot of that going on too persona the way it works is if you fail something mission critical, then it just knocks you back a few calendar days. 
Okay. Um, so you have to com- – there's – it's very clear when, by when you have to complete certain objectives. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, so Honey Rose, <laughs> Underdog Fighter Extraordinaire. <laughs> sounds like – again, sounds like a, a mobile game but is actually a full-fledged title on Steam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like, made by one person and now they're making this weird – platforming game we swap between two people and full disclosure i guess i'm like subscribed to their patreon and everything but yeah really cool shit and i don't know anyone else that's even heard of it if i'm gonna do um, one more that kind of didn't make my list uh, but was on that uh cusp of it um hunted uh the demons forge you ever guys play that one i've never even heard of that but that's no. it's uh it's not so much the game itself, but it's like a, a genre that I wish kind of still existed. Like the co-op, the co-op battler, where like you and one other person kind of can play a game all the way through the edge. This is like a fantasy. Somebody called it a fantasy Gears of War when it was released, and that's kind of the best way to describe it. Um, oh, fuck. I actually do remember this game. Yeah, like the huh. one person's like the guy, like the barbarian with the shield and the sword and kind of the front line guy. And then the other is a archer girl who kind of almost plays more like an FPS style. Um, but I really wish these kind of games would One of the characters back. like immortal or something? Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm always just trying to like find like that co-op game I can just sit down and play. That's, you know, a hack and slasher, but you and a buddy can kind of work your way th- through from the beginning to the end. And, um, so this game itself was kind of a good example of that. And I feel like I feel like these games used to be like a lot more of them, like you and a buddy I've never heard of this game before, and it was published by Bethesda back in 2011. It was a huge release that kind of just never really went anywhere. Um, It's it's a fun, it's an enjoyable experience. It's Unreal 3, so it doesn't look super dated. Um, But if if you want to load it, I think there's probably another game that's probably a buck on Steam. But um, that style of game where like a a pure co-op dungeon crawler uh, that you can split screen to me is something that just kind of died out. I don't know if they make those anymore. Yeah, I don't it think they do. It's unfortunate. one I talked about on the worst games of 2016. <laughs> it was that, but don't play it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the... Full disclosure, you should stay away from the worst games of 2016. <laughs> Damn it. Um, <laughs> wait, did you actually want to play it, Radio Cat? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I think uh, it's time to call this podcast to a close. Uh, thank you very much, Radio Cat, Ben, the Kappa, for uh, joining me on this Thanks journey through me. Hidden Gems. Yeah. So um, just to let you listeners know, if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, we have a website, avocadogamescast.wordpress.com. And uh, we post each episode there along with a link dump. And uh, a fact check of all our nonsense, because there is a lot of nonsense on these podcasts. Um, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes. We're actually on iTunes now, guys. Woo! Big leaks. I feel like I made it. Yeah, I even <laughs> made like a shitty logo with an avocado and a joystick connected to a TV. It's like the shittiest logo. If, only, if only you knew somebody I, you could ask to make a logo. Um, you know. Yeah, maybe. I was gonna say uh, <laughs> if you want something, you know, I am available. I actually have something, but that's not pot. Like, we don't need to talk about that on here. <laughs> that's uh, we can take that offline. Um, yeah, I put out a call for logos, and everybody's like, 
so I was like, you know what? I'll make my own shitty logo. Um, it's I actually I, drew a logo for you at one point and then forgot to post it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> about right. I I kind of I kind of like that we're I think I think we're basically stuck with this logo now, at least on iTunes. I kind of like that we're stuck with it because it's it doesn't look like amazingly awful. It looks. Like, you can look it up on iTunes if you search for Avocado Gamescast. It, it looks like an avocado connected to a TV, but drawn kind of crappily. Um, <laughs> so if you guys are interested in that, check out uh, the podcast on iTunes. Just search for Avocado Gamescast, and you can subscribe. Um, anyway, thank you guys for joining me, and we will see our listeners next time. Later. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye. Yeah.